coming as it does after part one of this La Liga chat in Dublin, this would be, together now, part dos, part two. Welcome back. I recorded this live with Sid Lowe in the Sugar Club in Dublin earlier this year, but on the night, we opened up the floor to questions that had been tweeted to us from members of the audience, with Sid and I talking about unforgettable characters from the Spanish game like Laurie Cunningham and the madcap Joaquin. We discuss Lionel Messi, how could we not, and how he's currently playing some of his best football ever. And we also discuss Cristiano Ronaldo, plus his obsession with becoming known as the greatest of all time. We also accept questions about Cholo Simeone and why it still has to fall into place for Pep Guardiola at Manchester City. This whole thing was organised by con artist promotions who've put on some excellent live football talks across Ireland and the UK. The next event is being held tonight at Union Chapel, London, where James Richardson, James Horncastle and Paolo Bandini will mark the 25th anniversary celebration of Gazzetta Football Italia. Information about this and future con artist events can be found on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. Are you all... uh you all ready to go for second half? Yeah, okay. So we've got some of your questions. I've been looking through your questions and... I can't see anything. Um, <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> Graham, um, I'm two people, two different people have asked why you are not wearing any socks. Yes! Uh, I Graham am. Clark. Ken, Ken, I am. I am. I'm wearing socks. Oh, great. Yeah, I kind of feel okay. it's like this. Anybody who needs to know the answer to that question doesn't deserve to get it. Well, maybe they what just people, have... What so people, give you, what give people you, don't give realize two quick is, that, answers. is that Graham's not wearing shoes either. That's actually his feet. <laughs> Every time um, Dabowski met me or saw me, he would go, hola, machete, which means... Oh, mate. Like, All right, you're kind of not the worst. And he would look at my trousers, and my trousers happened to be a suit trousers. He would just go in there. Have you got any socks on? I'm like, no, he says, good. <laughs> and Walter Smith, the Rangers manager, who's as tough as they come, funny and brilliant. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter what you say. Funny, clever, witty, dangerous. <laughs> I, uh, used to, I used to turn up at Ibrox like this, and he would just go in the middle of the press conference, and he would go, chat, 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 this line, that line. And I'd go, Graham, he said, fucking hell, he said, Roxy Music. Maybe. David Bowie, maybe. Don't fucking come here wearing no socks. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, I thought, you see, I've, the, I've got to stick with this. What people don't realise is Graham is actually wearing a pair of socks, just not on his feet. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, sorry, quick. Uh, got to try something, haven't you? It's a, actually, so another question for you is, when's the Laurie Cunningham book coming out at Sid Lowe? Are you doing a Laurie Cunningham book? Actually, you know what? There is a Laurie Cunningham book coming out, but not written by me. Oh, um, no. A guy called Dermot Kavanagh is writing a biography of Laurie Cunningham, which is not far away. Um, and I'm quite excited because he's, he, he really has done legwork. This is going to sound very flippant, and I don't mean it to. And I, I promise I don't mean this to sound flippant. There was a guy called Peter Law writing a biography of Laurie Cunningham, and he died recently. Um, and, and there was this huge biography of Laurie Cunningham that just kind of disappeared. Um, and I know that Dermot, who's writing the biography of Laurie, had spoken to Peter's widow about the material because they've been close friends during the, the writing of it. And I really, really hope it happens, and I think it will be very good. Um, 
and I must admit, the reason for the question is that, that yeah, I was putting this together and, and unfortunately I think it won't happen from me but it will happen somewhere else and, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because Laurie's story is, is brilliant for so many reasons um, his son is, is, is a really lovely guy who doesn't speak any English curiously enough despite the fact of course his, his dad was English because uh, Laurie died when he, he was only about not even a year I think 37 or yeah. Yeah. Um, so no I mean when the son was, was not even a year oh, old okay, um, and so so yeah, hopefully, hopefully it'll be a, a, a really great book, and, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. And hands up here, anybody not who saw Laurie Cunningham play live, but who saw Laurie Cunningham play live in the Anglo Scottish Cup for Orient at Aberdeen, <laughs> where the fucking dirty yeah, fact, you know what the weird, the weird thing humiliated was... us. He was it was the most unbelievable experience given all the players I've seen coming to Pataudry for other clubs. And we're talking about, um, you know, Capello, Gilzean, Heinkes, Beckenbauer, Rubesh, Breitner, and Laurie Cunningham turned up on a wet, dark, horrible winter evening, the Anglo-Scottish Cup at Pataudry with Orient and was just as, as, as startlingly unbelievable as any player I've seen or I had seen at that stage for sure, coming to Petodri out of the blue, unheralded, no internet, no TV coverage of Orient, you don't know who he is, and you go, look at that footballer who did things with a dead ball and on the ball that I, I, none of us had ever seen before. It was just extraordinary. We got beaten, we got beaten by Orient, put at the Anglo-Scottish Cup, and at the time you thought, that's the most humiliating thing that I'm ever going to see in my life. But as the days go by, and You've then you see, him, you see him with West Brom, you see him for Real Madrid, you think, ah, that was just a gift that, um, that took me to Petodre. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I think we've see established that... Unbelievable footballer. Yeah. As Graham said, it was a cold, wet night. I think we've established that Messi couldn't have done what, what, what Laurie Cunningham did that <laughs> night. Um, <laughs> Laurie um, Cunningham, I mean, obviously, for those who don't know, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of you do, but Laurie Cunningham, of course, famously got a standing ovation from the Barcelona fans in a Clasico in 1980 where he just tore them to bits at the Camp Nou. Yeah. Um, question for, well, actually, it's more of a statement for, well, it is kind of a question from Paul Murray. Is this the worst headline ever? He includes a picture of a newspaper uh, which has a headline with a picture of Hamas Rodriguez. Uh, and it says, the name is Bond, James Rodriguez. Uh, which, which I think has got to be a contender. Um, you know, you might, my... my, my... <laughs> no, I, I can't top that. I do remember a particular favourite many, many years ago. I think there was a Formula One racing driver called Pedro Diniz. And his car caught fire and the headline was Diniz in the oven. Which... Um... <laughs> Uh, which I thought was particularly good. Connor Clancy says, I just want Atsid Lowe to tell some Joaquin stories. I love Joaquin. I love Joaquin with a Funniest passion. Guy, well, Joaquin, right, most players, when they go to a presentation... Have you ever seen... If you, if you get the chance to do this, have a look on, on YouTube. Joaquin hypnotising a chicken. <laughs> and he's there going, come on, come on, my lovely, come on. Come on. And my particular favourite is Joaquin at his presentation. Now, most people, obviously, when they're presented at a club, they, they hold the shirt up, they do a few kick-ups, in some cases very badly, and, and then they kind of go off to the press conference. Joaquin goes to Malaga and decides to crack a joke, and he stands there, I suppose, a bit like we are with a microphone in front of him, and tells a joke to everyone. This is his presentation at Malaga, and he says, he says right, so there's this lady, right, and she's... Um, 
she's at the stadium and, and, and she's there and, and it's the Champions League final and Malaga are playing the Champions League. Bear in mind, this is a footballer telling this joke, right? So if you think this joke is shit, don't blame me. It's Kyle Keane. But this, the point is, this is his presentation at Malaga. And he tells this story and he's standing there in front of thousands of fans. He says, so there's lady sitting in the, in, in the stadium and it's the Champions League final and Malaga are playing and there's an empty seat next to her. And a man comes up to her and says... Um, do you mind if I sit there? And she says, no, 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 you sit there, that's fine. Malaga are playing the Champions League final, you sit there. And he said, sorry, if you don't mind me asking, why is this seat empty? And he says, well, my husband died. He says, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, but, I mean, wasn't there anyone else in the family who could have taken a ticket? And she said, no, no, they're all at the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's, like, he's like, as well, as well as he's a brilliant teller of set-piece jokes, but he's also completely fucking nuts. So he's one day he's on television and he's just doing this box standard interview. And there's the Julio Baptiste one, I love this. No, well, this is a tennis one, and they're going like, so, you know, Blair, this, that, and blah, blah, blah. And he's going, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And he's saying, what do you do in your spare time? Do you, do, you, do you read books? No, no. Do you play any other sports? Yeah, yeah, I love my tennis. I love my tennis. I play tennis all the time. He's like, I suppose my answer to that would be, be tennis. And just behind him is one of the best players. He's just, he comes into shot. It was shot. Claudio Baptista at Malaga. Claudio Baptista comes into Malaga, comes into shot, and he's just corpsing. He's just crying with laughter. And he, like Pogba did in Thierry on thing, he interrupts the whole interview and goes, you've never played fucking tennis in your entire life. And Joaquin, for a split second, kind of goes, no, you're right, I've never played. <laughs> 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 he's, he's just going like, what will I say? Ah, fucking tennis, Cogging, man. Cog- I love my tennis. Corkin turns to him and says, Julio, I don't even know how to pick up a racket. <laughs> the other Corkin the other, the other one that I was really like was when there was all the rumours about him going to Chelsea. And by the way, the rumours were true. They'd been in London looking at house prices. But all these rumours were that Corkin's dad is in London looking at house prices and he's going to go to Chelsea. And he's asked about this by a journalist. And Corkin says, my dad in London? No, 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 no. My dad is at home on the sofa with his ass hanging out of his trousers as usual. <laughs> so listen, if we're going to pull his dad in this, what about his mum? He's at Valencia where he admits that he came off the breast at eight. Oh boy. <laughs> and the I best like, bit was, he goes, into, he goes into detail. He says all the kids are playing on the square in the little town where <laughs> we're from. This is the play, kids are playing football and after about an hour, everyone gets a bit thirsty. And all, and all the other kids run to the drinking fountain. And I run to my mother. <laughs> When you see all those FA Cup players in the, in the 60s with a pint of milk, you're like... <laughs> it's what Ian Rush drinks. I know from Joaquin's mum, though, eh? <laughs> Can you imagine Ian Rush running up to a Joaquin's mum? Yeah. Or that kid, on, that that kid saying, listen, Joaquin's mum, I'm sorry, but it's what Ian Rush drinks. And he says, if I didn't do this <laughs> when I grow up. But Joaquin is, Joaquin is, is the, just the... the the greatest guy in Spanish football history. And it was really sad. I mean, this has been forgotten, by the way, that he was a bloody brilliant player. And he missed that penalty in, in Korea, which was really unfair. Of all the people to miss the penalty, it shouldn't have been him. He was the next Galactico for Real Madrid for about four years in a row. And every year, Florentino said, Harkin's coming, Harkin's coming. And it never quite happened. <laughs> there are a couple of, a uh, few questions about Lionel Messi. Uh, has he been practicing free kicks intensively? Uh, is he... Likely to do a Cantona as Pernambuco Gypsy. Is he likely to do a Cantona and suddenly retire? How long do you think he'll keep playing at Barca for? Um, we should talk a little bit about Lionel Messi. He has, he's nearly 30 now. He's 30 in June, I think. He's changed radically in appearance. Um, you know, from being this, this sort of long-haired, sort of 
country boy looking guy to the tweet compared him to Wayne Lineker. Uh, he basically had transformed into Wayne Lineker uh, with his peroxide hair tattoos. Um, this is why I love talking to you, Ken. <laughs> it wasn't my tweet. Just I just no remember. idea what's coming next. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you. I'll ask you both. Um, Eamon Dunphy reckons. So here Dunphy. we go, here we go. Leo Messi, Wayne Lineker, and Eamon Dunphy. Yeah. No, what Eamon it? Dunphy reckons what is Leo Langer Messi? coming next, eh? or just Langer. Is all, he's already on the slide. He's, right. he's on the way down. We, we can see the, the cracks. Can I, can the cracks I, can I, can I ask something? I, I mean, <sighs> fucking hell. Okay, I appreciate I'm in difficult territory here, right? Um, but not, it's not so long ago that I, the Guardian, Scott Murray in particular on the Guardian, but the Guardian is saying, you should see the punditry on Irish TV. It's brilliant. Right. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Let me, let, give, me, give me a chance to go where I'm going here because I think I might be going the same place as you. Um, look at the punditry on Irish TV. They don't just spout cliches. Look, they're arguing and all the rest of it. And this is brilliant. This is what we should be doing. And I said, what, you mean what we should be doing is talking fucking bollocks all the time. I mean, honestly, I mean, look, I, I appreciate that that I would prefer people to be opinionated, but I would prefer those opinions not to be total fucking bollocks. <laughs> I would prefer those opinions to be based on something. And to, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just saying this, I appreciate this, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm talking nonsense, but I'm basing this on two or three YouTube clips, but sometimes I watch it and think, oh, are you seriously saying this is what we should be emulating? A load of bitter, twisted, angry people moaning, fucking Leo Messi shit. Well, to, 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 to defend Amy here. I mean, I would like you to give me the to be, I would like you to give me the to be fair bit because I'm sure I probably am talking bollocks, but no more than they are, of course. Does he... Uh, I mean, okay, Amy Duffy will eventually be right about Lionel Messi. You know, to, 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 we, we know that. But it, does, he, does he have the germ of a point? Is, are we, are, are, do you see signs of decline yet in Lionel Messi? Uh, the, f the, f the first thing that I say Messi is, is better I this year than he's ever been. I want to stand up, first That's of all, first for a little thing. You, you that, think, that, sorry, that did you say you think he's better than he's ever this been? This is the best I've ever seen Leo Messi play. Really? Yeah. Can I also think it shouldn't slide by, and I don't mind being in the minority here, but that none of this that we've said applies to, for me, for John Giles. That doesn't apply, as far as I'm concerned. Well. Once that's... Uh, <laughs> I didn't say anything. No, I, didn't say, I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I didn't, didn't say anything. Say anything. <laughs> Carry well, on, Graham. I didn't see what happened there, but if it was anti what I said, you're in fucking trouble. <laughs> However, um, I, I'd, I'd go where um, Sid has gone in terms of um, watching Messi um, like nobody I've ever seen before in any sport teaches you to um, be on your game to renew your um, intelligence, to be sharper about what you say, to pay more attention all the time, because he keeps redefining what it is we're trying to speak about. And you said earlier on, and I don't think we should betray, we, I think if we're here, if we're invited to your country, if we're invited to speak about our trade, then the one thing that we can't become like is the people we criticize. And you talked about fact-based analysis. You talked about not saying, my opinion is this, and therefore it's right. What I would say to you about, um, in answer to the question about Leo Messi, is that I, I feel that my opinion doesn't 
isn't relevant at the moment. If you, if you speak to any of his fellow players, they'll say what Sid just said, that they're in, in, in place of any decline, I, I would be, I, I'm critical of the, of the way in which Luis Enrique encourages him or allows him to play simply because they haven't made a decision at Barcelona to say we are no longer playing in a purely defined system. If you say, if you go half horse and say, what we'll do is we'll, we'll have the systematic ideas and what we didn't say in part one when we talked about Pep Guardiola was positional play. And positional play means that the system is very organized. We talked about Cherry Henry and David Villa and width and the ball played 15 times before it comes out from the back. Okay, this isn't the moment to talk about that again. But Leo Messi played his part in that. And under Luis Enrique in the first, treble, in that treble season under Luis Enrique, Leo Messi didn't simply say to Suarez, which was his decision, not the coach, you play in the middle because you're the scorer, I'll play wide. He stuck wide. Not as a winger, but he started wide. He occupied a full-back, and then he came in. There was a rigour, and there was a systemization. At the moment, broadly, I don't think that his talents are being applied in the right way. And it's not the case that if you think that Barcelona are supposed to play in a systematic way, he can drop back into the midfield and play like a quarterback. When he dropped back into the midfield under Pep Guardiola, not by my testimony, by the testimony of the players who said what that was for, it was because positional play was strict, it had rules, other teams began to read it, and they said, here's the thing, the jack-in-the-box, that will trick other teams, will go for superior in mid midfield, particularly, say, for example, for example only, against Manchester United, when they'll have um, gigs, um, in midfield, they'll have Rooney not willing to drop back. If we have Messi dropping back in the midfield, we'll have 4v3. And if you give us 4v3, we'll win. Now what he does is, and, and, and Sid used a phrase there about like how we talk about, how we describe football. When Xavi moves back and, and plays like a quarterback only, it's beautiful. It's often effective. It shows another facet of his game. It rides in the face of what Eamon's saying. And Eamon's, listen, I'm, I'm not saying this for effect, but Eamon's made a career out of saying things that he knows will be polemic and therefore he'll be paid more money. Now, that's not illegal. Polemic. Pole wait, wait a minute. P-O-L-E-M-I-C. It's not how you spell shite, is I think it? It's fair and I think it's fair and accurate. But in terms of if anybody says that Leo Messi is... I don't know what the phrase was, beginning of the climb. Look, rather than being just dismissive, his, his, his performances, his numbers, his attention to detail are at the level which, when 2014-15 when began, Gerard Piquet um, said something to a friend of ours, Ben Miller. I mean, about August. We'll win everything. Because he's on it. Because Messi's at it. He's enchufado. That's what his fellow players think of him. And, and right now, I, listen, we'll come to this in a minute, but there's, there's no way. Democracy rules. The votes say Cristiano Ronaldo won the Ballon d'Or. If, if you believe that it's only about the, the, the team trophies that he lifts, fine. But Messi was the Ballon d'Or for the last 12 months. And if you look at how he's playing right now, then... Anybody who says he's not playing as well as he's ever played in his life 
is either blind or stupid or wearing a real... I suspect, I, I suspect in a way the answer is, 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 is probably even more simple. I mean, I, I, you know, the Ballon d'Or, to be honest, bores me a little bit and, and, and it's not really a debate that I'm, I'm particularly interested in. But, but I think there is a fundamental thing, which is that if you are going to suggest, in this case, Messi is on the way down, well, you could try watching him. Yeah, well, I was going to ask, why do you think he's the best? He's ever been. This is a guy who's because he's scored do- seventy-three goals, you well, know, in, in twenty twelve. I, I think he's. Do- I think he's doing something that maybe he hasn't done before. Even even Messi hasn't done before, which is I think he's disguising everything else. I think we talked earlier about Barcelona losing some of their identity, lo- losing some of their 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 control, losing some of their dominance, and actually, what is enabling them to do that and keep winning is is him. And if you see some of some of the performances this year. Um, in particular, for example, the second half away at Sevilla is is just mind blowing, even for Messi. And it's a, it's been a very long time now, I think, since since we got to the point where and and, and obviously this is applicable to Ronaldo as well. And I, I know that debate. I mean, I find the debate quite tiresome, but the debate is there, and, it, and it's worth stressing this. Um, both of them have taken to us us to a point where it's quite difficult to say new things and it's quite difficult for them to kind of play in a way that's better than what they have done before but Messi has done things this year that you say I haven't even seen Messi do that before uh, away at Sevilla was was absolutely extraordinary um, and and yeah I think it, because it, part of the reason is that he's coming deep he's doing everything there's a big there was a big kind of doubt in everybody's mind at Barcelona when Xavi retired who is the best new Xavi the answer of course is Messi but the problem is, if Messi plays as Xavi, who plays as Messi? That's the problem. Um, Messi is, and, and, and this again comes back to another debate that used to be used, which was kind of better by proxy. And the debate was, who is more complete, Messi or Ronaldo? And of course, you'll get a list of completes. And it was like one of those lists in, in Viz, where it said, who's the best Michael? Is it Michael Jackson or Michael Crawford? And they'd all score seven out of ten on all of them until it came to Moonwalk. And Michael Jackson gets 10 out of 10 on Moonwalk, and poor old Michael Crawford, he can't do the Moonwalk, so Michael Jackson wins. And the, the, the kind of who is more complete, Messi or Ronaldo, it would be, well, athleticism, jumping, strength, speed. Well, all of these definitions, all of these categories to create complete are actually pretty incomplete. They're all elements of the same thing. And Messi, what Messi has done this year, I think, is reinforced to us that this is a guy that scores the goals for you, provides the assist for you, provides, and I hate this word, but I'm going to use it, provides the pre assist for you gets the game going for you. And, and this year, more than perhaps ever before, he has been Xavi, Iniesta and Messi all in one. Yeah, I, I don't... I mean, I agree with you. I don't really think there's any comparison in, in just pure ability, you know, as a footballer between the two guys. But, but no, no, Ronaldo's Ronaldo, brilliant. Let's, let's not get away from that. Maybe I think Ronaldo is... Bielsa said something brilliant. I'm sorry to butt in, but Bielsa said something brilliant, and I think he's absolutely right. And Bielsa, Bielsa said, the problem with choosing the best is that rather than being a eulogy of the best, it's seen as a dismissal of the one that you don't choose. And we sometimes talk about the Ballon d'Or, for example, and in Spain in particular, where of course this is conditioned and coloured by the fact that Spain is so divided by Madrid and Barcelona, and everything is seen through that perspective, and they're in their trenches shooting at each other as usual from the same place as always, and it's tiresome as hell. But one of the problems is that we sometimes you look at the Ballon d'Or and you go, he came second, what a fucking loser. Yeah, he's a fucking loser, the second best footballer in the entire world. And, and that's part of the problem. I mean, I don't know if anyone has ever wanted anything more than, you know, any sports person has wanted anything more than Ronaldo wants to be the best 
player in the world, which is maybe his most best outstanding quality. Is what his, That's his, his stated ambition. Goal is best player ever, not the best player today. That's his. That's what's inspired him. And he's one of them. ever. That's what he wants to be known as. Yeah, which is it's it's sad because it's it's never going to well, happen. I, I, listen, no, <laughs> no, let me pick up a theme of Sid's. One, he he's been driven by that. Why wouldn't it's you, made him better? Why There's wouldn't no doubt you that want that has to aim better. at being yeah. the best player ever? Why wouldn't you want to aim at that? So few players, so few people. How, how many people? Here, well, actually, or, sorry, or I, Graham, I, think, I think the problem with the way that he goes about it, and, and again, I don't want to fall into the trap that you just described. Cristiano Ronaldo is incredible. You know, if, if Lionel Messi didn't exist, he would have been the best player in the world for the last, you know, Curiously, years. Curiously, I've got a theory on this. I don't know what you think about this, right? I've got a theory on this. There is this argument that always says, if Messi hadn't been around, we'd all be saying Ronaldo was the absolute business. He dominated this era. There's a bit of me that thinks if Messi hadn't been around, he wouldn't, wouldn't have, have been done. as good. He, he wouldn't, wouldn't have, have been. had Messi to He wouldn't have been as good because he wouldn't have had that thing mm. to aim at. I also think that there's something curious about these two. That they have kind of... And this is no more than a theory. And I, you know, I realise that, that, that you may disagree with this and this may be wrong. But I sometimes feel that what happens in a funny sort of way, because we've, we have created, and they have created as well, this kind of head-to-head thing with the two of them. That what one of them does is almost what the other one has done as well. I think, I think, I think when we look back on this, we'll almost not, project some of Messi's right. successes that's, onto Ronaldo. Right. They've become this kind that's of... That's right about the media, but that's not right about Cristiano. No, not about I him, but it's it. become part of the way because that we judge them, I think. He is the most singly driven footballer that you or I have ever met or Absolutely. seen. Absolutely. And, and I think this... Just, I believe that there are two key, identifiable, true things to say about him. One, the the pantomime about what you see in the pitch, which a lot of people don't like, does not represent a keen, witty, intelligent man. Right. He's absolutely... He's quick, he's good company, he's funny to be... If he's on hey, Did you watch the movie that he put out? The, 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 <laughs> no, no, hold on a second. No, hold on a second. I, 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 I do not believe that corporate PR... Eclipses. Yeah, but that was, it was his corporate PR. It was, it was like his. Eclipses what a person is really like. They did you see? Did you did you actually see the movie? Can, can I ask? No, you? I'm just. No, just can I ask I'm just you? wondering, did you see it? Because there was just, a scene in it which I'm I thought was amazing. Asking, did you enjoy that movie or not? I thought it was interesting. There was interesting two, is a euphemism for what? Well, you there was a lot of there was a lot of things time. I didn't like about the movie, but there was a lot of moments in it that made me. I, I felt I kind of did know a bit more about Ronaldo. I, I, th- I thought, by the way, that I, I I felt that it was more interesting than it was supposed to be. Yes, absolutely. You know, it was interesting. The the bits that were most interesting were not maybe the, the thing. I mean, one one kind of quite charming the fact bit of it. That he's represented by somebody who's an egomaniac, and that Cristiano Ronaldo thinks that. Um, Sort of hello and whatever the other magazines are, tight of publicity. No publicity is bad publicity. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the image he projects. Yeah. <clears throat> what I'm trying to say straight up is if you meet him and talk to him as a human being, there's wit, there's yeah. intelligent, he's quick, it's a pleasant experience. There's, there's no there's no there is no doubt that in the debate Messi or Ronaldo, when it comes to who do you want to interview, the answer is Ronaldo yeah. every time. 
Yeah. But beyond that, I, I, I go back to that thing about best thing in the world. I take your point about the film. The film was just nothing than PR bullshit. Fine. And no, it no, shows... No, 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 it's not. It's better than that. Really it was a really interesting scene. Intention was nothing more than PR the bullshit. The dinner. What it revealed was huge amounts of things. Did you see the dinner? The dinner with the family? Uh, and they're all sitting around and, and they've just played some game. Maybe it was a classical, I'm not sure. Maybe, I think he scored a penalty in the classical. Anyway, he's sitting around, the family's there, George Mendes is there. And George Mendes, it was absolutely incredible to watch what happened. It was like Mendes kind of gets up and starts speaking uh, and first of all says, oh, you know, to Ronaldo's brother, oh, you've been through some tough times. You know, he had, he had a few issues back in the day, addiction problems and so on. But, you know, you, you run a business now and you've done great. And, oh, the mother that I would have if it wasn't for the mother that I actually do have. Uh, you know, and then, he, and then he comes to Ronaldo and he's like, and Ronaldo actually stands up to sort of receive this you know, and it goes on for about 90 seconds and it's like, the, you know, the greatest athlete, that, and he starts off addressing it to Ronaldo, like looking intently into his eyes and then, as he whips himself into a frenzy, turns around to the table to sort of tell everyone else, this is the greatest player, the greatest athlete there's ever been, the best, the greatest, uh, I could never be worth, I could uh, never be worth one tenth of what you're worth, and, and Ronaldo is, is there is there like this are you listening to yourself, though? He loves it. This is the reason, this is the sole Ken, reason... Ken, you're frightening me. George Mendes... <laughs> this is the sole reason George Mendes has never won the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> right, there's or a... Should, there, there, or, is, no, on, on, there is a finished. serious point here. It. Or should we be talking about the players? I'm, I'm talking... So the big thing that is important in this debate right now is when you talk about... Um, when, you, when you're unhappy about the idea that or Ronaldo should aim to be the best player ever... One, it's the right aim. Two, for all of us who are here, the audience who care about football, you, me, and Sid, as people who try to communicate things, that somebody's willing to come out and say that and not be embarrassed about achieve, aiming for greatness is something that we need to hear at every level all the time. I'm not embarrassed to say I want to be the best, the best today, the best this season, the best player in this country, the best player ever. Mm. That shouldn't be an embarrassment. But finally, and I, I think this is the absolute key in the debate, Cristiano Ronaldo, a little bit like Raul, knows that he's constructed, knows that it isn't just because it's a good thing to be professional every minute of every day about how to succeed. He knows <clears throat> that without that, before Messi ever came on the scene, that he wouldn't be the best unless everything he did at every stage, relentlessly, fanatically, was about showing how he could be the best, training harder, um, believing differently, acting differently. And when he does things like that and he reaches 32, the natural thing is that it's more difficult because, albeit that he has innate talent, he does not. If anybody here believes he's got the same innate talent as Leo Messi, they're watching a different sport. The, the reason that the competition has been that tight, as tight as Sid described so far, is because of Ronaldo's relentless ability to say, I'm going to do more, I want more, I want to prove I'm the best. Now, I admire that yeah, outright, that's, that's, outright, that's, that's without the word. question. That's the word. On, on that, le that is the word, on that level at least, and, and, and uh, you know, a lot is said about Ronaldo's personality and all the rest of it, but on that level at least, I think, I think Ronaldo is absolutely admirable. He really is on, on that level. That this is a guy that 
he's, he has made this happen. Admittedly, with a lot of support, of course, and a lot of teammates, and there are teammates. There's no doubt about this, by the way. There are teammates who think he's a pain in the ass. Of course there are. But he has made this happen. And, yeah. and, and he, this isn't just a guy go, bloody hell, I'm good at this. Because there's been plenty of people good at this. Take Gutti, for example. Yeah. And I think it's one of the great scandals of the modern game that Real Madrid are now expressing the idea that Gutti is the, the, the embodiment of Madridista values. Are they? Gutti, yes, they are. He's coach of one of the youth teams. You put Gutti in charge of a kid's team. <laughs> and and you know, this is a guy that would go missing for days because he was injured. But it wasn't that he was injured. It was that he was missing. And, and Ronaldo, Ronaldo, in that sense, is absolutely admirable. And you can like him more or less. You can think, you can enjoy, I mean, you can enjoy watching him more than you enjoy watching Messi. Everyone's got their own taste. That's fine. Yeah. But, but what he's done, I think, in terms of his application, in terms of his attitude, I, I think he's, he's truly brilliant, to be honest yeah, with you. Abso- yeah, absolutely. I, I think absolutely everybody should, should agree with that. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, let's talk about a different type of uh, star. We could talk about those two, you know, for hours, but maybe the most dominant personality in Spanish football right now, and maybe it's been the case for a couple of years, is after Graham, is I, I think Diego Simeone, a, a man who, we talk about this guy, you know, his, uh, you know, as, as we were saying earlier about Sevilla, a team that gets broken up, you know, wins a European trophy, gets broken up, sold off, it's, it's difficult to come back. The same thing happened to Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. They got to the Champions League, okay, they lost the final. Uh, Diego Costa goes, Thibaut Courtois goes. Um, Arda Turan. the bloody... Uh, Arda Turan and, the, and the Felipe Luis, you know, and so on and so forth. And he just keeps going. He brings, he brings in brilliant players, and the players play the same way. And the intensity never dips. It's a remarkable, and it's and it's kind of remarkable for that reason because the game that they play is so based on desire and intensity. It's remarkable that he's managed to make it so long. What I'm basically asking Graham is, what is the source of Diego Simeone's dark power? I think if you, um, I think if you watched him, him playing, then you see the first part of the answer in that this is a guy again whose every waking breath was to do with. Um, 
Not just being competitive, but being competitive enough to win. But also, um, he's. I, I don't believe that he's the the best or anywhere near the best tactical coach of the modern era. I think what is extraordinary about him is a little bit akin to the Alex Ferguson effect. When you get somebody who is um, extremely sporting bright, extremely extent, um, intense, who's got a competitive ability and a competitive outlook which um, is contagious... And if I continue the comparison, which is deliberate, if you've spoken, when, when, when you speak to any Manchester United player of Alex Ferguson's era, they will say to you that, that at Manchester United, I'm talking about, that apart from being born competitors themselves, and apart from wanting the win bonuses and the trophies, there was a massive, massive urge to win to get his approval. If you look at Diego Simeone, and how he lives every day and what he asks of players every day. And you look at, you judge him from the touchline or how he was as a player. Then you're missing an enormous amount of the nuances of what he's been able to do at Atletico. Players want to win for him. They want to gain his approval. They don't simply want to win um, big win bonuses or trophies. Those are givens. They're true. But he is one of these guys who is able to Take you, take you apart, um, convince you, inspire you. Um, How does he do that, Graham? Because, for instance... He's, he's got nuances, for example. like he's, like You would imagine that it was about do it for me or else, and, and that's not the case. Well, what Fergie used to do, or you know, one, one of the things that he did, I mean, I've heard his players talk about this, is, is sort of, uh, you know, before a big match... You know, a big final or something like that. Turn and you know, look at the guy next to you. You know, know that this guy will do everything for you. You know, talking to them about their childhoods. You know, trying to sort of push their buttons in this way. He would do all that kind of stuff. I mean, what does Simeone actually do? Well, for example, he'll um, and before big big matches, he'll identify the key players in the squad who he needs to spend thirty minutes with in the hotel before a big game, and he'll go and find them at a time when he thinks that they're most receptive. So it'll be perhaps late at night in the last hour or so before they're about to go to sleep. He'll impart messages to them that he thinks that subconsciously they're gonna, it's going to stay in their mind while they sleep. He will not be a guy who, for example, like Fergie. The, the, I want to draw the comparison again because I mean it. Not identical. Um, but there Very are, different in, but the, there are, in most ways. In, well, in, most, most superficial in, ways. I'm, I'm not so sure. In how? Why? Well, well, for instance, I saw... They're different nationalities, they're different ages, but what you can see... Simeone is a lot more gracious from what I've seen. And it, you know, when he, when he talks do, you remember the, do you remember the final in Lisbon where he charged on the pitch and was well, saying... Well, that, that is true. But he was, the sole, he was very gracious after that final. When he, when he came to do the press conference, he'd kind of... So he was nice to you. He did charge onto the pitch and try to kill um, Look, uh, Varane. Varane. All right. Yeah. <laughs> give, give me a little leeway. I am not saying he's Alex Ferguson's twin. You're asking me about management coaching techniques. So for example people who haven't talked to Manchester United players or seen Alex Ferguson would think that this hairdryer myth is the be all and end all. Not true. Nuanced, clever, very good at human psychology. Now Simeone I think is similar. It's not about because he's a ferocious man, the players are scared to take a bad performance or a bad day's training back to him. He, he convinces them and he makes them want to give 
everything all the time. And I think, listen, Sid will take over here now, but you, you would imagine <clears throat> that if players want to win things, and if players are elite, and if players are being paid um, a couple of hundred thousand pounds a week, that what you'll get from them is total concentration, total intensity, and brilliant decisions to merit that every hour of every day. And it just isn't so. The more you pay them does not automatically mean the more that they're doing the right things all the time. And what I would say now is that Diego Simeone has created a culture that people buy into at Atletico Madrid, partly through demonstration, it's partly through instruction, and it's partly through there is a level of intimidation, as the word, a positive intimidation, as there was with Alex Ferguson. Have we seen, and his belief is, if we're this good, if we're this intense, then we'll win. And what I think has been proven that he's yet to develop is that ability to read things that are going against him and change things for the better. And, and, and I think that's where the debate lies with him, Ken. The weird thing is there is that very, very small element that he says this is the guy that has changed a team like no one has changed a team since, since Brian Clough. Probably. Yeah, and no one thought but, that club but would the, be capable the, the of what The weird element done. is, you look at the two Champions League finals, you think, he might have got those wrong. He might have got those two finals wrong. Certainly, maybe, maybe less so in Lisbon, but certainly in Milan, you think there was a moment when Real Madrid were there to be taken. Griezmann scores a penalty. There were, admittedly, there is that moment when, when, when they're rush, rushing through and a, an, an extraordinarily cynical foul from Sergio Ramos and perhaps that's the moment when, when Atletico might have won it. I think I, I, I just wanted to kind of add a little bit of the context to this. Um, and it almost feels like we're kind of two historians here talking about the, the power of the great man and I'm talking about the structural powers and the, the, the if you like, the kind of... The, 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 the non-personal elements of it. But th there's also a context to this, which is that when... Diego Simeone goes to Atletico Madrid. And as Gabby puts it, this is a club in crisis, this is a club on the way down. But Diego Simeone is the only person who can do what Simeone does. Not because of what he does, but because of who he is. He's the only person that can, that can unite those kind of fragmented elements of the club in, in the same goal, in the same aim, and following the same pathway beneath him. That's the thing. The players are subordinate to him. The owners of the club are subordinate to him. The fans are subordinate to him. This is the guy they all wanted back for a very, very long time. Now, admittedly, you lose the two, first two or three games and this whole thing is screwed. But he comes with a kind of... I mean, obviously, there's a... There's a again, go back to the historic, historical thing. There's a Weberian authority about him. But there's also a... a, 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 a charismatic authority. A, a Weberian charismatic authority about him. But there's also an immediate authority that comes from the situation which this is the only guy that everyone will follow. Right now. Atletico Madrid have been through 16 coaches in 10 years. They, they've been through... Jesus Hill as, as president and Ron Atkinson called him Mad Max. Coach after coach after coach after coach, and it's not working. And the club is in, is in crisis. And what, what Simeone has done, as well as the, the footballing element of things, is institutionally he's made Atletico Madrid something worthwhile, which they weren't. Um, I think there is a question mark about, about how he dealt with things in the final, but he was the right guy at exactly the right time. For what it's worth, there's not a huge amount of time left. Yeah, um, this season? Last season? I think the, 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 the intention from everybody was that he would stay and do one season in the new stadium, a stadium called Wanda. Mm. Um, but 
I think if the right move was available this summer, he might take it. So I think do you not think it would be quite healthy for him and the club too, that now is the break? People yes, keep, yes, but, people it keep be, it would, but it wouldn't be healthy to be seen to have lost control of a, of, of a kind of succession plan which was in place. That's, that's the doubt. So, so a couple of people have tweeted, um, Arsenal supporters have tweeted begging you to tell them that Diego Simeone is going to take over at Arsenal. Arsenal? Can you throw them a I bone? Think, I think Diego Simeone doesn't really fit the Arsenal agenda. This no, is, but maybe he's the man Arsenal need. I, I honestly think that what Arsenal needed was... because. Let's make the assumption that let's make the assumption that Arsene Wenger cannot be kicked out. Let's mm. make that assumption. Yeah. So that any move at Arsenal involves Arsene Wenger kind of stepping aside and being involved, but maybe not being kicked out. The move for Arsenal was last summer with Pep Guardiola. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I was going to talk about Pep. We're actually running out of time. There's a couple of things. Let's talk briefly about Pep and Jose and Brexit Britain. One of them, <laughs> one of them loves it. One of them loves that, and the other one is just being, it's like Ken? a transplanted organ that's Fuck being rejected. Off. This is really unfair. But uh, uh, Jose Mourinho used to be like Diego Simeone. His players would, as you were saying, Zatan, maybe fictionally, would run through a brick wall. By the way, I'd, I'd like to know where these walls are that these players are capable of running through. Yeah. Because, you know, Ken, I believe in you. Yeah. Right? I believe in you. Yeah. But if some fucker built a great big brick wall between yeah. us. Yeah. I'm pretty confident I wouldn't be able to run through it. Well, you've seen... I might be able to go round it. I mean, it depends how big the wall is or over it or under it, but I don't think I'm going to go through it. Well, Jose Mourinho's players would. Uh, or they, they used to. Do you, do you think that he can ever uh, recapture that kind of fire that he had uh, maybe until he took over at Real Madrid? I mean, you watched, you watched him up close, I guess, at Real Madrid. You saw it ended very badly. You know, do you believe that he can still ever be that man he was before Real Madrid? I think that one of the things that we must avoid the temptation of doing in our job is describing people only as footballers, coaches. You know, they're human beings. He turned 50. Traditionally, men find that a, a, a difficult time. Well, he, t- he turned 50 in 2013. <laughs> <laughs> well, has, he got, has he got a garage somewhere with a motorbike <laughs> in it and a guitar and, and, he's, and he's growing a fucking ponytail and he's... <laughs> Actually, I tell you what, Jose Mourinho. Sounds like you've got much patience for Jose Mourinho's Mourinho. No, no, no. I'm just thinking, Jose Mourinho with a ponytail. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Sid's had a couple of pints. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, it sounded like you my, were about to point, go easy. My point is that if we ignore the fact that these people that we analyse and try to get close to change and find things difficult in life then we won't be doing an accurate job. By the way, a very, a very quick aside on this. You're talking about the personal thing. We've got to take it away from the game and talk about the personal thing and how personal things change. There's another very quick point and then carry on, which is that the game changes as well. And I think the game might have left Mourinho behind a little bit. He makes no effort to keep up, unlike the other guy. Sorry, Graham. I'm, uh, carry on. Please. Oh, fuck it. Sig did it, so you can do it, man. <laughs> Anybody else got a microphone? <laughs> do you want mine? Yeah, let's swap. The point would be that I think that there was a combination of circumstances, both at Real Madrid where um, his... I think that I noticed a change in his behaviour. And I think that the time when he didn't get the job that he thought he would get at Barcelona, which he used as a driving force, which he used 
quite usefully in that you can't classify his time at Real Madrid as a failure, although he was superseded by the Pep team. Not by Pep, by the Pep team. I think he left there in ignominy because that last season was trophy-free. And since then, they won two Champions Leagues. There's that, but I think that all of us would acknowledge that the, the, the great moments can hinge on different things other than the coaches. Like, for example, I, I, I would be critical of his semi-final against Bayern Munich, Jose Mourinho, and how they approached it when they were 2-0 up. Robin scored 2-1 at the end of his game, which was a vital game for him. He said, well, ah, listen, me and my teams, we've got no history of winning on penalty kicks, and I wish I hadn't gone on penalty picks, penalty kicks. And there was a time at which Real Madrid by a minute at the Bernabeu in the decisive second leg, they held back, and they, they were overly cautious, something that he could be accused of a lot at Real Madrid. But my point is not to criticise him. I think that he, he was a qualified success at Real Madrid. Do you think that Guardiola is going gonna, is gonna to do it at Manchester City? I mean, I was, I've been what, watching him recently. What, what I is think, it, Ken? Well, to, to make a really good team, you know, the, not a team that's going to lose ridiculously 4-1 to Everton or get slaughtered by Leicester because they're playing this stupid high line and the goalkeeper's a joke. I mean, a serious team... <laughs> That could, you know, m- maybe win the Premier League or, you know, go far in the Champions League. And do I, what he, do I what he did at Bayern. I haven't seen a high line as high as this in football since Iron Robin's hair. But, <laughs> hey. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, right, look. I think Guardiola has... I, last year, when... And I, I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. Last year, when Manchester City were knocked out by Real Madrid in the Champions League, I thought they were the most average team I've seen for such a long time, right? That there was, there was something about them that just... There's, there's a Spanish word which doesn't translate particularly brilliantly out into English, but I'm going to use it anyway. There, were, there was something about them that just didn't, didn't transmit anything, right? There was, there was no personality. There was no identity. There was no rebellion. They lost 1-0 to an own goal against a really pretty average Real Madrid side. They were gutless. They, 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 they were spineless. They were all those other things in the body you're supposed to have. And they were loose. They were loose, all of those things. They were bollockless. They were, they were, they were, they were spleenless, whatever. Mm. But they, they, and I looked at them and I thought, considering the amount of money that's spent on, being spent on Man City, they're really average in almost every way. Yeah. They don't have as many good players as we think they have. They don't have an identity. They don't have a personality. They don't have anything. Then Guardiola comes in the summer, and for the first five or six weeks, they play well. And I think, mm, actually, maybe they're all right. And I just wonder if now we're seeing, no, no, they're, they're not all right. They're not that good. They're really not all righty. And look, Guardiola's made mistakes. There's no doubt about that. I, and that I, maybe I, the commitment to an idea has made things worse in the short term. I don't know if in the long term it might make things better. Do you think it has to do, though, with... with I mean, you, you worked for a long time also in England, uh, you know, as a reporter. Um, you're familiar with the culture. Do you think that there's a kind of anti-intellectualism? Somebody like Pep Guardiola comes along, he thinks he's so smart, you know, he's going to teach Granny how to suck eggs. Maybe, you know, maybe it would be quite funny if, if this Pep Guardiola guy had to go back to Spain having failed to conquer the Premier League. There is a kind of a trolling element 100% to the media. 100% yeah. that's true. There's a, great, there's a great phrase, sorry, Graham, there's a great phrase from Juan Malillo. I think I mentioned him earlier. Juan Malillo has a great phrase for every moment. Juan Malillo once said, and people said, he's an intellectual, he's a smart ass, he's a philosopher. And Juan Malillo said, sometimes they kill you with compliments. 
And I think that's it. That in anti-intellectualism. Like Thierry Henry does. We're, 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 tired of, we're, we're tired of experts. So yeah. I, I, no, I, I go in a different direction. I think I take both of your points, point and I agree in general. But I think that if we want to be accurate, 100 percent, then no. You said 100 percent. Do you think? And I've come across many, many coaches and ex-players who are desperate for him to succeed, who admire him, who understand even through the muddle of what we're seeing at City at the moment. Let's say, let's say Sid's got that spot on about uh, player capacity um, being grafted onto. What I meant before was a coach whose demands are intricate. They're difficult to grasp. So let's say that that's all we're seeing at the moment, that he's not quite getting it right and the players really aren't quite good enough. Is there an overwhelming, rather than 100%, this guy has been overpraised. This guy is... This, the, what? Okay, if, they, if he's been overpraised, then maybe, maybe people's inability to listen or read clearly and comprehend makes us culpable. But the I'm one sure thing I want to... Just want, that tone will probably calm down the, the, the pep critics. Couldn't give you know, that's it. Claudio Bravo is pretty rubbish, isn't it? They can go and <laughs> stick it right up their arses. I but just, yeah. what, I will, what I will say sincerely and quickly is this, that while, um, while people jump on him and, and slag him off and whatever, he has said relentlessly, uh, it's time at Barcelona and at Bayern Munich and now... The, the triumphs weren't mine. Mm. He believes himself to be faulty. The reason that he's so idiosyncratic and odd when you see him, having been beaten or difficult to express his opinions properly, is that he is an odd, burnout, difficult guy. And he has always said throughout his triumphs, it's the players who've done it. Yeah, he's yeah. never, ever wavered from that. As Ronaldo... Which brings as Pep and Sid close together in analysis of what's going on right now. And I think that was right. As Christian, Christian Ronaldo says, I think too much humility is also arrogance. Uh, but there's, there's one very nice thing, because we, we do how, have to whoa, finish whoa, whoa, up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is, that, is that a genuine Cristiano Ronaldo? Yeah. That's a great quote. I, I know. Like it's it. a, well, he said in Portugal we have a saying, so I don't know. But uh, it's, good, it's good stuff. But... Uh, <laughs> But the very last thing I want to ask you, because we, have, we do have to finish up here, um, but loads of people had actually asked this on Twitter, and I've, I've really got to ask it, especially as there was a news story today. So there was a statement from uh, WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency, uh, who got... Well, they're not, they're not too happy with what's going on in Spain. Basically, um, APSAD, I guess is how you pronounce it, the, the Spanish Anti-Doping Agency... Uh, has been uh, declared WADA code non-compliant since March last year. So effectively, there's been no WADA-compliant drug tests in, in Spanish football, or not just Spanish football, um, for that period of time. So WADA actually have a statement today saying, the lack of testing in a country, one of the leading football leagues worldwide for a period of 12 months is alarming and will do little to install, instill confidence in clean sport at a time when it is needed most. Uh, and they say a few other things too, but I just want to ask you both to... Um, Finish. Do you have confidence? Do you, have, uh, as, as Paul Kimmage would say, do you believe what you're seeing in Spanish uh, football? Listen, the, the, the debate in Ireland because of Kimmage, because of cycling, is intense. The level of knowledge here um, undoubtedly supersedes mine. The one thing I can say now, hand on heart, and um, I'll stand on, is that if I was aware of, if I heard of, if I was aware of any. Sporting, not just football, doping offences in Spain, I would report them. If I was aware of them, I would investigate them. And I would say at this stage that I don't know of any of them. 
it does that mean that they're not going on? I would say that human experience, sporting experience, says no. It's not that they're not going on. What you've reported on there, specifically, and there's no pulling a blanket over it and trying to protect Spanish football, is archetypical of Spain. There's, there's, because of the governmental problems, something couldn't be passed that sh that had to be passed. People tried to push it onto UEFA and FIFA, which said it's not our problem. So yet another grey area in Spanish sport. Mm. And if you're leaving the detectives who can who can detect cheats without the right powers, then then it's wrong. Yeah, it's you're not you're wrong. not doing yourself any favours when you do that. Sid. Like I mean, say for instance, you know, it's how Alex Ferguson was able to write in his uh, autobiography, um, the the more recent one. Uh, in, in the middle of a, of a whole thing about how amazing Barcelona were, to say the one thing that baffled me was how their top players were able to play so many games. And it's clear what he's I saying. This is, this is Alex Ferguson talking. This yeah. isn't, this oh, hold isn't on a second, like, any, like, any Hold person. on a second now. It, that can't ignore what we've said previously, which is that because they could the fucking more intelligently. Ball, but they fucking ran less. I don't know if that's what Ferguson how, how, means. How do you need to be told, like, if you take two... And you add two, it fucking makes four. Why though don't they? What? Why? Why don't they take the approach Sid, that we have to be seen to be doing the right thing here? Why don't they say? Because otherwise, people are going to make uh, accusations like this, that. People, there's going to be innuendo. If you don't have a proper anti-doping policy in place, everyone's going to assume is, it's because you know, for bad this reasons. This is the problem. The, the the problem is that the 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 story that you're picking up on says that that the Spanish football authorities do not drug test. Wait a minute. So, so yeah, yeah, exactly. So the story is that the Spanish football authorities do not sufficiently drug test this season. That's the story. That's the that's the that's the the the, the nuts and bolts of the story. The interpretation of that story is, uh oh, they're doing something wrong, and they're not ness. I'm not saying they're not because I genuinely don't know the answer. I, I honestly don't know. This. I, I follow what Graham says that if if you're aware of it. If you can investigate it, if you can find evidence of it, if you can prove it, then you write it. I think one of the things that I, I think I think actually this is a point worth making, and I'm going off a slight tangent, but let, I'll come back. I promise. I promise. I'll try to anyway. Um, sometimes people say, "Well, why didn't you ask this question, or why didn't you report this?" Because something like this, for example, drug testing, something, or, or the accusation of uh, of abusing drugs and using drugs in sport is very, very serious, and you have to take it very, very seriously. And I think it's not just wrong, I think it's enormously irresponsible to make accusations about drug use without any evidence, or without reasonable reason to at least pose those questions. Now, this story, as you're saying, is a story that says they have not tested sufficiently. That's not the same as saying they have cheated. But, of course, the interpretation that many will take from it was, will be, they have cheated. Now, there's all sorts of reasons why football is slightly different from other sports, for many reasons, many, many reasons for that. But, yeah, it's a very serious problem, and, and it's something that I come to often. And I, I've written this line many, many times, but, but I think it's worth kind of reinforcing this. Um, Organisationally, Spanish football has problems. In terms of this drug issue, Spanish football has problems. In terms of, we saw it last weekend, there was terrible weather, and it was a hurricane and the rest of it, but stadiums are not in great condition. Spanish football has problems. Politically, Spanish football has problems. Somewhere along the line, for all of these enormous problems, 
of which there are very many. Look at the latest transfer window, for example. Spanish clubs spent, I think it was, um, I might be wrong about this, but I think it was 26 million euros. English clubs, 233 million euros. Spanish football has some significant problems. But what happens is that the football bit of Spanish football keeps coming good. All of those other bits, they get wrong. But the football bit that comes good. Now, on this particular issue, it's very... And, of course, this, this impinges upon that. And I, don't, I genuinely don't know the answer. And it's very difficult because, of course, you do... I mean, there's no doubt about it. We have enjoyed, we have reported on, we have, sh- on a very, very minor level, shared in some of the successes of Spanish football. And this kind of thing does make you think, you know, was this all... Yeah, and, and but but sp- the football itself finds a way through. Normally, they know how to take the ball and they know how to pass the ball. Yeah, point full stop. That if however much we else want to talk about it, anybody else who, here who supports Celtic or Liverpool or Tottenham Hotspur or Manchester United or Leeds doesn't matter who you support. That's what's lacking. If you take anything from tonight and anything from Spanish football at all, it's not Messi. It's not Ronaldo. It's they know how to train footballers to take the ball and pass the ball, and they train them to know why they're doing that. It's as simple as that. I mean, obviously, look, there is there is there is a huge, um, a very important kind of what would you call it? Well, we come back to that same word that Graham used earlier, matiz, which is, by the way, this is the reason why I use the word caveat too often, because the Spaniards use matiz all the time, mm. and and there are two basic translations for it: one's caveat and one's one's nuance. Um, there is that huge matter, which, of course, football is sometimes defined by very, very small moments. And, of course, these kind of questions, people want to ask them. But there is an overarching philosophy. There is an overarching idea. There is an overarching talent, which means that I don't know the answer to these questions. Graham doesn't know the answer to these questions. But there are things that Spanish football is definitely doing right. Now, this worries people. Of course it does. Mm. But the truth is we don't know the answer. And, and, and as I say, I, I do want to come back. To, and this sounds... Maybe I don't know if this sounds cowardly on my part, but in defence of journalists, people say, "Well, why don't you ask the questions about the uh, about doping or whatever?" Well, because if there isn't evidence, if there isn't a way, it, it is irresponsible to go down that route. Now, there are some doubts. Yes, there are some doubts. There are some things that sometimes you think, but that's not. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how, Bottom line is I don't have an answer for it. That's true. Okay. Well, that's actually where we've got to leave it because we've already run way over time and there's literally going to be a Sugar Club guy out here dragging us off can, in can a couple I, of can minutes. I, but I was going to say, Sidney Graham, thanks for me. Do we, do we not do an encore? Do we go off and come back on in a minute? Seriously, Ken, on, on not, speaking for, not speaking for Sid, but certainly on behalf of all of us who've sat up here, Thank you for taking the time to come out, to spend your money, to listen to Spanish football, to be as supportive as this. Um, you make what we do worthwhile. So it's an honour for us to see you here. Thank you very much indeed. The Big Interview is produced by Backpage and me, Graham Hunter. The music you always hear, the music that you love, is Beer Jacket. You can enter exclusive competitions and put your questions to our future big interview guests by getting on the mailing list at grahamhunter.tv. Yes, several thousand of you have done it, but come on, slackers at the back, sign up. Thanks for being there. Without you, this would be fun, but a lot less fun. See you soon.